0: We're going to continue to look at the Psalms today in the life of King David, and specifically kind of how King David handled it, just handled difficulty in his life. And the Psalm that we're going to be looking at today is Psalm 27, uh, verses 3 through 6. It's page 386 in your pew, bi- in your pew Bible, but before we, before we read that, I want to set the stage again just a little bit for you, and I'll, I'll try to make it quick. And most of you know the account or the story of of King David. But just to refresh your memory so we can really get an idea of the place that he was in emotionally, physically when he was writing the Psalms. um, I want to just kind of briefly kind of go back over that. But um, David was a shepherd, a small shepherd boy. And um, the king of Israel at the time was a man named Saul. And... God became disenchanted with Saul, I guess you could say, and basically said, my favor is no longer going to rest upon Saul. He's no longer going to be kind of my anointed king. We need to find a new king. And so he sent a man named Samuel out to this family to find this, this new king. And um, he'd kind of looked through all um, the siblings and basically said, I, you know, is there any others? Yeah, we have one other that's a shepherd and he's out there, brought him up. It was, it was David. And... God basically told Samuel, this is is going to be the king, the new anointed king. Um, But Saul was still king of the people at the time. And so basically David became a servant of Saul's, helped him out in in different areas of his life, um, some emotionally, um, but mainly became a warrior in in Saul's army and became a great warrior. You probably know the story about David slaying uh, Goliath, a giant. And um, But was also just a great warrior, had many great victories. And so David was gaining favor among the people. And um, this angered Saul because <laughs> David was getting all this popularity. The people loved him. Um, and God's favor was resting on David. So he was, had great success in all that he did. But this angered Saul. So basically Saul said, I want you to kill David. He sent out armies to kill David. So David is on the run hiding in caves, away from his family, um, betrayed by... He, David loves Saul and was trying to be a servant. And um, so he was really experiencing a lot as he's writing these psalms. Um, so I wanted to set the stage just a little bit for us uh, before we uh, got going. But let's look at Psalm 27. And uh, I just picked verses 3 through 6 as kind of what I wanted to concentrate on. It says this, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It says, Confronted with abandonment. Well, right before that, I'm going to read a little piece right before that. It says, Central to Bible's, Central to the Bible's teaching on conversion is the call to make a choice. Confronted with abandonment, Christians can either turn their hearts back to the things they lost or turn toward the hope that Jesus Christ is in fact their Savior. When we're confronted with abandonment, we can either turn our hearts back to the things that we lost or turn towards the hope that Jesus Christ is in fact the Savior. That's conversion. That's conversion. Sometimes we think of conversion, we use that term of when people maybe first kind of make some kind of a commitment to follow Christ. And we say they're a convert, they've been converted, or whatever kind of language that we might use to describe that. But you know what? I believe this. There are conversion experiences all along the way of our Christian journey that God is always calling us to step forward and give more of our lives to Him and to realize that He is our only Savior. Somewhere along the line, King David understood this. <laughs> In fact, psalm the very first verse of Psalm says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? David got that he needed a Savior, didn't he? when trouble was all around and he was experiencing abandonment, loss, and pain, the one thing that I seek is to dwell in your house all the days of my life and to gaze upon your beauty and to seek you in a temple. That's conversion. Because <laughs> I've learned this. i learned that abandonment can save us. It can, if we let it, <laughs> if we let it save us. Um, there's another quote out of this book that I wanted to read. Because it can be scary when things are taken from us, when we we freak out. says this about grace and God's grace. Grace is whatever it takes for God to come and get us. It can be confrontational, frightening, disruptive, and demanding, but in the end, it saves our lives. (laughs) Sometimes we don't think of those times as God's grace, but it is if we let it be that. Our response is key. Our response is key to abandonment. And it's okay to pray that we would get those things back, right? It's okay to say, God, can you help me find a new job? Or can you, you know, could you bring my spouse back? Or can you bring my health back? Or whatever. Those things are all okay to pray. And we should But when we become demanding of God and we say bring these things back or else (laughs) because I think what we do in these times makes all the difference and I've walked this road of following Christ long enough to know that some of the people that I started this journey with aren't still with me (laughs) I guess you could say and somewhere along the line, when the pain got too much, they kind of abandoned this pursuit of God for other things. And their story's not over. I'm not sure exactly where they are, but they don't seem to be on the same road anymore. Because when they experienced this, I think they looked at God and said, "This, this can't be," and they decided to soothe their pain with other things. And they took other paths. And that's easy to do, and I get that. But what God really wants us to do is step forward and give more of our lives to Him. What will you do in those times? We kind of have those choices, I think, to become demanding and controlling, to run to those things that soothe us. Or to step forward and give more of our lives to Jesus. Because that's what he desperately wants for us. And in those times when we think God has left us, I think this. God hasn't abandoned us, but our image of God abandoned us. (laughs) That wrong image that we had of God, that's what left us. And we're going to be better off for it. But God never abandons us. Just our image of who he thought he was maybe leaves us in those times. And that's good. Abandonment can not save us. Well, so how do we respond in a right way? What do we need to do? How do we get to the place of King David? We kind of started with the end in mind. Man, I would love to respond like this. How do we do that? Well, I'm just going to name a few things that I think would be helpful. One is we've got to be in the Word and we've got to be praying. And you might be sitting here this morning on, are you kidding me? You're going to tell me to read my Bible and pray? People have been telling me that since I was five years old. <laughs> no, I'm not going to just tell you that. Yes, I am going to tell you that. I am going to tell you that. Can't get away from that. Because if we don't look at the scriptures and we don't understand God and how He works and how He's moving in our life, and we need that. The other thing, we need a Christian community. We need some other people around us that will point us towards Christ in these times of trouble. We need that desperately. We need that desperately. I know I've had times when I've been going through really rough experiences and I've had good friends that have kept pointing me towards Jesus. And my good friend Rich Fox always says this in times of trouble. What do you think God is doing in your life? What do you think God is calling you to in the midst of this? Gosh, those words have been so good for me. And there's been times when I'm like, Rich, I'm complaining here, man. (laughs) And he's been great to listen, but in the end, he's always like, what do you think God is doing? How do you think he's calling you to step forward and give more of your life to him? We need friends like that. And to be honest with you, if you find yourself in a place like that, you might need some Christian counseling. You might need some professional help, and that's okay. That's okay. You might find yourself in a place like that where you just need someone that is really, really good and trained at walking you through some difficult times. And here's a kind of a cool thing I think is exciting. We have people in our church that are really getting trained in, those types of, you know, in that type of counseling to help us through those times. That's a really cool thing that we have here. So I just wanted to let you know that we have people in our church that are working on that so that when you... We're going to go through hard times um, that maybe have a little more skill in walking us through that. And that's pretty cool. But one thing that we can do today is we can take a note out of King David's page and we can dwell upon his beauty. <laughs> what does that mean to dwell upon the beauty of the Lord? I think it means this to dwell upon God's attributes, his goodness. His faithfulness, his righteousness, his mercy, his salvation. To meditate on those things. That's what King David wanted to do. That's what he wanted more than anything. Because what King David desired most was God's presence, and nothing could take that away from him. He could be in a cave, away from his family, betrayed, cold, and tired, but he could still have the presence of the Lord. (laughs) And we can too. In the midst of any situation, we still have that. And that's what he desired most of all. Was God's presence in his life. Man, I, I, want, <laughs> I want that kind of faith. To be able to say that. And he said, what I really desire is to gaze upon your beauty. Um, that's how we're going to end today is um, we're going to have a chance to look at the attributes of God. Um, and that's going to—I'm really excited about this, actually, because this is going to lead us into our time of communion, which I think will be really cool, because I'm going to give you some time to sit in your pew, and I'm going to have verses up here, and we're going to have a chance to look at the attributes of God. In a sense, we have a chance this morning to gaze upon His beauty, His perfectness. We have a chance to do that this morning, and then it's going to culminate with us coming to the table, the communion table, and we get to gaze upon the most ultimate beauty of the Lord, His sacrifice for us. That is awesome. I'm really excited about the chance to do that with you all in community this morning. So um, I'm going to uh, pray for us, and then you'll have some time to sit and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and culminate with uh, your time at the table. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time this morning. I thank you for the faith of King David. And I can see why he was a man after your own heart. He knew that you were a Savior. I pray that we would know that this morning. I pray that those times when we face the abandonment of our dreams and hopes and longings and we experience loss, that we would step forward and give more of our life to you. Um, God, you are perfect and you are beautiful. I ask that you wash us this morning as we have a chance to gaze upon your beauty.